Well, hello, and welcome to the Ashford Vineyard podcast. It's a little bit different this week because we discovered at the end of the two services on Sunday that in actual fact, the talk hadn't recorded. So we decided that it was important enough and significant part of a series that we've been running recently about boulders, and we thought it was too important to miss it. So here we are on a Monday in the office, in the garden. You may hear sounds of sirens, maybe some birds, maybe some children, some traffic. Please ignore it or just let it soothe you as you listen. But anyway, the subject this week, carrying on our boulders theme, has been judgmentalism. So we've been looking at boulders uh, and boulders is a series that we have been running based really on the book by Simon Holly called Sustainable Power. And the premise really of the book is this. Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture or the Bible has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Holy Spirit. So what Simon is saying is, if you have given your yes to Jesus, then rivers of living water, rivers of the Holy Spirit should be flowing out from those people who have said yes and are born again, who are recreated, if you like, from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. So Simon Holly in this book goes on to say, if we have the rivers of God's power as Jesus promised that we would, but it feels like we're only experiencing a trickle, something must be blocking the spirit's flow. There must be a boulder in the way, as he calls them. Now we've looked at some of these boulders already. We've already looked at self-reliance and we've looked at fear. In future weeks, we'll be looking at control, unbelief, disappointment, and then finally offense. There may even be some other boulders in there too. But this week is a really crucial one and it's judgment or judgmentalism, if you prefer. Now, over the years, I have to say I've judged many things and many people. So I have a little list here that I'm going to start reading to you. I have to apologize really and confess to you all that when I typed this list out, I didn't even have to pause. But here we go. The way people dress. I've judged how people bring up their children, how they drive their cars, how they spend their money, how they talk, how they walk, how they pray. I've judged churches, I've judged friends, I've judged my wife, my kids. I've judged various news articles, even though I don't know the people actually in them. I've judged friends' kids, bosses at work. I've judged people's attitudes. I've judged decisions that people make. I've judged how people have their tea. Well, okay, so that one may be justified. I used to work with a man who used to have about a third of a cup of milk, fill the rest with boiling hot water, and then the tea bag would be dunked into the tea and pulled straight back out, and he called that a cup of tea. I think I maintain my judgmental position over that one. But anyway, I've judged where people live, I've judged smokers, drinkers, addicts. I've judged the proud. I've judged those people who are really free in worship in churches, particularly if they're waving flags. I have judged those who have affairs. I've judged gossips. 
I've judged people's priorities. I've judged people's beliefs. How about you? Do you see yourself in any of these yet? I mean, I've got more. I've judged politicians. I've judged the local council. I've judged celebrities. I've judged tweets and posts, sportsmen and women. I've judged parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, police officers. I've judged the courts, siblings. I've judged leaders. I've even in the past judged coffee. It's not the right type of coffee. We need better coffee, etc. As I say, I didn't even really have to pause in typing that list out. And there are so many more. To be honest, too many more to mention. In the book of Matthew, which is one of the books in the Bible that talks about the life of Jesus, Jesus says this, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So basically what he's saying here is, this is the way that judgments work. When I proudly put myself in the place of God, making judgments over others that I have no right to make, justice demands that really I be judged by my own standard. In other words, I can't have someone else judged by a different standard to me. We've all got to be judged by the same standard or that is grossly unfair. Therefore, if I am going to make judgments on other people and set that as being the limit, whatever, whatever my judgments are, that is the, that's the measure, then surely I've also got to be judged by that same measure. And that is what Jesus is saying here. So how would that work for you, I wonder? I have to say, I'm not so sure I would come out that well. Some of you may well be thinking, well, don't we need to be discerning? I mean, don't we need to make sort of little judgments as such? I mean, we're making judgments all the time, such as, have I got time to do that before I need to go out? Or will the car fit in that parking bay? That's true. But that's not really the type of judgment that we're talking about here. How about this? Judgment is an opinion you make on another that leaves you feeling superior. Now, you can't see it on the screen like the people could yesterday. So let me say that again. Judgment is an opinion you make on another that leaves you feeling superior. If you've never done that and that's not you, then by all means, switch this podcast off. Just pull up some ABBA or some Mark Ronson and just do some housework or go crazy or something. But if this does resonate with you in any way, then maybe listen on. Charles Spurgeon, a great 19th century preacher bloke, he said this. It does us much hurt to judge our neighbours because it flatters our conceit and our pride grows quite fast enough without feeding. We accuse others to excuse ourselves. We are such fools as to dream that we are better because others are worse and we talk as if we could get up by pulling others down. What is the good of spying holes in people's coats when we can't mend them? A friend's fault should not be advertised, and even a stranger's should not be published. He who brays at an ass is an ass himself, and he who makes a fool of another is a fool himself. Fourteen years ago, 
Nick, my wife and I got together in what I must say were rather murky circumstances. I was just splitting up from my first wife and Nick was still married. It was a mess. It was a disgrace and many people got hurt. God forgives and he restores and his merciful nature is an aspect of him that will always draw a tear from me. I had an impeccable record as a pastor and I lived the life expected of me with excellence. A good reputation takes years to build up and just moments to come tumbling. I learnt a lot of lessons through that time, a lot about many people and many things. But the main lesson I learnt was this, that I am, in the words of Brennan Manning, just a ragamuffin. Brennan says this in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. I fear that word has lost some of its original grit. Ragamuffins have a singular prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Any additional flourishes to make that cry more palatable are pharisaical leaven. And warning, mine has been anything but a straight shot, more like a crooked path filled with thorns and crows and vodka. Prone to wander? You bet. I've been a priest, then an ex-priest. Husband, then ex-husband. I've amazed crowds one night and lied to friends the next. I've drunk for years, been sober for a season, then drunk again. I've been John the Beloved, Peter the Coward and Thomas the Doubter all before the waitress even brings the bill. I've shattered every one of the Ten Commandments six times Tuesday and if you believe that last sentence was for dramatic effect, well it wasn't. If there's one thing that I have emphatically learnt in my life, it is this. I am no better than other people and no less in need of Jesus to be my saviour. It's a level playing field. What, do you mean, Chris, that you're comparing yourself to terrorists and you're no better than them? That's not really what we're saying but in some ways that is what we're saying you see every day I wake up in dire need of a saviour in dire need of Jesus everybody wakes up every day in dire need of Jesus we can't do this on our own at least not to be living life the way that God dreamt of us living and still dreams of us living I'm not better than other people. Without him, I am broken. And my need of him is great every single day. That makes it a level playing field. And perhaps I would caution you if you ever think that that's not you and that couldn't be you and you would never do that. Sometimes, unless we live a day in someone else's shoes, we have no idea what we would be capable of. Paul, in the New Testament, in the Bible, he was a guy who went around starting churches and then he wrote letters back to them. And we're grateful that he did because those letters have stuck around for a couple of thousand years. He wrote to a church in Corinth and said this. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. A different translation renders it this way. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else 
Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Every week there are items in the news about terrible things that people have done. This last week is certainly no exception. We can too easily look at someone else's actions though and write the person off. It is possible to discern and judge actions without judging a person. And while we're glancing a nod to opinions, here's some wisdom. Only have an opinion over what you have responsibility for. Let me say that again. Only have an opinion over what you have responsibility for. Just think how much brain space you would rescue if that were the case. Imagine what your social media feeds would look like. Imagine everything you say in a week. And now picture that whole lot in one bundle and think now, if I only had an opinion over those things I've got responsibility for, and I use my words only to build up and not to tear down, how much of that pile of words would I have left? Would you lose maybe 10% of your pile of words? Would your pile of words be, dare I say, halved? It's a really sobering thought, I have to say. So, boulders, judgmentalism. What has being judgmental got to do with rivers of the Holy Spirit flowing from within? How is this attitude a boulder? You see, the thing is, how can God use us to show mercy to someone when we are full of judgment? You see, they're contradictory. You can almost imagine that you, you go to pray for someone or help someone and, and you, you wouldn't say these words. But in your head, you may say, God may want to heal you, but I think you deserve everything you're getting. I mean, it's, it's laughable. Someone may say, well, in that case, I'll just pray for people I have mercy for and I feel sorry for and avoid the ones I think deserve it. You, you totally deserve it. You over there. Yeah, yeah, I'll help you. I don't mind helping you. But you can't get round it like that. Judgmentalism is a condition of the heart. It's not of God. It's ugly. It's sinful. It has a foul stench that somehow people become immune to. Here's a sweeping generalisation for you. Women tend to speak theirs out more, but men aren't immune. They tend to hide it inside. I did say it was a sweeping generalisation. But you know, both are wrong. Well, I'm, I'm OK because I didn't say my, my uh, judgmentalism. I didn't say my express my judgmental attitude over that. I'm not really sure that's much better because it's a condition of the heart. If you really want to see judgmental attitudes in play, then take a little trip through Facebook. You really won't have to be in those pages uh, and comments and posts very long before you see a whole host of judgmental attitudes. As we've said, what would your social media accounts look like if you said that stuff which only built people up? I think sometimes we would go to post things and think twice and maybe leave them. 
that guy Paul who planted the churches he planted another one in a place called Ephesus and he wrote back to them and said this don't use harmful words but only helpful words the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will do good to those who hear you in the book of John one of the four books that tells us about the stories of Jesus we find a woman who was caught in adultery. This is in John chapter eight. And it says, at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, he commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this woman and this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Now it's interesting actually in that story that one of the key elements you see there, apart from Jesus' incredible tenderness towards the lady, bearing in mind she's been caught in the act of adultery, she probably wasn't wearing a great deal, if indeed anything, and the Pharisees hike her out in front of a crowd to make a point and to try and trap Jesus and say, now the law of Moses says this woman should be stoned, what do you say? One thing we notice in there particularly is that Jesus never at any point said, oh, it's fine what she was doing. That's not what he said. He said, does anyone condemn you? And she said, no one condemns." He said, well, neither do I. So now go, but stop doing it. Don't keep doing it. There's no need to do it. You're letting yourself down. You were made for more than that. But there was a key difference, really, between the attitude of Jesus and the attitude of the Pharisees. You see, Jesus was looking to hang the axe off from falling as long as he possibly could. But the Pharisees, they wanted the axe to drop as soon as it could. Where are you? Are you someone who sees situations and you want the axe to fall? You want it to fall and finish this thing and judgment to come? Or are you someone who is almost fighting to hold the axe up in the air as long as you possibly can, looking to be as merciful as you possibly can in all situations. In the news this last week was a man called Chase Irwin. Now, unless you are a particularly studious observer of the news, it probably means nothing to you. And I certainly had never heard of the name before. But he clearly had dealt with his judgment over one issue at least. 
Let me tell you the story that came out in the news this week. There was a woman sat on a plane and she said this. As soon as I got buckled, the man next to me sat back down and his phone was maybe only 12 inches from my face. And he proceeded to text someone that he was sitting next to a smelly fatty. I don't even know what the rest of his text said. I turned my head away as fast as I could. I was shocked and it was like confirmation of the negative things I think about myself on a daily basis. Before I knew it, I could feel hot, salty tears coming down my face. Now that's where this guy Chase comes in. Chase was actually sat behind on the row behind and he could see through the gap what the man had typed and he could see the woman crying. So he leant through and he tapped the man on the shoulder and he said, I need to talk to you. The guy took his earphones out and turned round and he said, we're switching seats right now. So that's what Chase did. He switched seats with him and he sat next to the lady for the rest of the flight. Chase comforted her and later said, I was going to wait until the end of the flight to say something, but I couldn't have this guy sit next to her this whole flight and have her thinking he's making fun of her, Irwin said. It really gets to me deep down when I see someone crying. And when I saw her crying, it really hit me hard and actually got me sick to my stomach. Did you notice that? It really gets me deep down when I see someone crying and when I saw her crying, it really hit me hard and actually got me sick to my stomach. Now, that's interesting because one thing we note about Jesus in one of the four Gospels, I think it's actually in two of the four Gospels. It said Jesus looked at the crowds and had compassion on them. Now, that word compassion is a very physically deep word it really means to have your bowels yearn which is not an attractive concept but it means it comes from that low down there's something that just turns you over that low down and this is what this man is saying he saw her crying it really hit me hard actually got sick to my stomach something churned over in him you see the thing is if we are going to have a heart that is given to being critical and judgmental, it doesn't allow for such compassion. You can't experience that compassion because you're standing in judgment over how the person is. What being judgmental ultimately really does is keeps people at arm's length which is the very opposite of what we long to do, which is draw people in and express the value that they have, both to us, but more than that, to Father God, who just adores them. We have a world full of people, with so many of whom have no idea of just how precious they are to Father God. And while we have judgmental attitudes, we will always hold those people at arm's length. We finished the talk yesterday by every person having on a chair, on their chair, a piece of card and a pen. And people had a few moments to write down some of their judgmental attitudes or maybe all of them. We joked with people that there was spare card if they needed it, but that we weren't judging them for it. Honestly, you should have been there. It was hilarious. But it was a great moment 
And I would encourage you maybe right now, you can always just press pause and go and get a piece of card or a piece of paper or something. And the other thing you'll need is access to a shredder. Are you back? Great. So we did this in silence. People sat and wrote out some of their judgmental attitudes and all the ones that they wanted to deal with, all, all those expressions of the heart that you think, oh, that's ugly. Oh, I don't like that in there. We don't want those boulders in there. We want rivers of living water to be flowing. We want to bring life to Ashford. And wherever you're listening to this, you're going to want to bring life to the place that you inhabit day after day. So we didn't have any music on. Instead, one by one, most of the people came up and we had two shredders and people slotted their card into the shredder and the sound of those shredders wafted all the way up to heaven and echoed throughout heaven. It really was a beautiful thing and a great way to finish the service, to hear the sound of those judgments being shredded as people said, no, I don't want this attitude. I don't want this ugliness in my heart. God, will you just rid me of it? I want to shred them and say, no, I'm not going to host these attitudes and just put up with them and keep them there. Instead, I'm going to shred them, remove that boulder and say, God, please, please, please come and create in me something fresher, something new. I want your rivers of living water to flow. So I'm going to pray the same for you. Father God, for all the people listening to this podcast, whether they listen within a day of it being recorded or a year of it being recorded, I pray you will help them to identify those judgmental attitudes that are causing a block in their lives. Help them to have the courage to leave judgment up to you, to not have to make judgments to feel superior because we can feel so secure in knowing just how loved by you that we are. Thank you, God, for your help. Thank you, God, for your extravagant love for us. We love you right back. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully the traffic hasn't been too noisy. I did at least kick the dog out before we started. But thanks so much for tuning in and we hope you have a fantastic week and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.